Last Sunday, we launched into our theme for the year. We believe that God is calling us to explore a year of joy. And as a church, we get ready to step into all that that looks like and to discover all that exploring such a powerful theme entails. And last week, we began by stating <clears throat> that joy was not the same as happiness. Happiness is based on happenings. Joy, however, is rooted in God. In fact, joy is listed as a fruit of the Spirit, which means that the joy that we're called to live within is an actual fact, the result of the Spirit's presence in our lives. In the Scripture, the Greek word that's used for joy is the word kara, which means exceeding joy, and it describes a joy whose foundation is God. The joy that we explore and press into then is a joy that is not linked to human experiences as in it's not something that is encountered due to particular circumstances and events. It's not something that we can manufacture or stimulate with certain things or with particular approaches. It is encountered purely and entirely within the dimensions and within the experience of God. It is a supernatural joy. God calls you and me to live within an experience of a supernatural joy. And this morning we look a wee bit about what the Scripture says about joy and begin to explore some principles with regards to joy. And here's where we begin in Romans 14, where it says that the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. According to Scripture, joy is linked to the kingdom and the kingdom is therefore linked to joy. In fact, what Romans 14 is telling us is that in the experience of the kingdom, that is the experience of the rule and the reign of God, it involves an experience of joy. Joy is an experience of the kingdom. It is a dynamic and an attribute that is encountered when the kingdom of God is encountered. However, what this verse in Romans also calls out to us is the supernatural aspect of this joy. Because the kingdom that is referenced in these verses is not natural in that its dynamics cannot be found through basic natural experiences like eating and drinking. Eating and drinking are natural, normal, everyday experiences. And interestingly, they are things that naturally just make us feel quite happy. Most of us are at our happiest when we're eating and drinking. And to prove the point, take someone's food and drink away and see how long it takes them to get hangry. In my house, not very long. However, Romans tells us that the joy which the kingdom brings far exceeds any natural happiness. It far exceeds any natural happiness that is found within the everyday or is found in experiences that we can select, that we can manufacture, that we can create. The joy of the kingdom is only found in the Holy Spirit. And it's a result of his outworking and his presence. Only he can manifest the joy of God within an experience because this joy is not of this realm. It's not found through earthly natural things because it's not of earth and it's not natural. It is entirely supernatural. It's of another dimension. The joy that Jesus calls to be in us is one whose foundation is God. Therefore, it is a joy that is found in the dimension of God. This is a joy that is found in heaven. 
And this is a really important starting point for us today. Heaven is the realm of joy. However, heaven is presented to us as this realm in the book of Revelation that exists in worship. In Revelation 7, we're told of a great multitude that no one can count, a multitude of people from every tribe, every people, every language, and they're standing before the throne and they're crying out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And John, who records this vision for us, is asked the question, do you know who these people are? Do you know where these people have come from? And he says, no, I don't have a clue. So he's told, these are those that have come out of the great tribulation. They washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. And listen to what John is told of this great multitude. He's told they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. He who sits on his throne will shelter them with his presence. Never again will they hunger. Never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat down on them nor any scorching heat. For the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. He'll lead them to springs of living water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Look at this incredible description of heaven. No hunger, no thirst. It's interesting that we're told the kingdom is not about natural things like eating and drinking, and we're told here that within the dimensions of God, there's no need for hunger and thirsting. There's no discomfort. There's no tears. That sounds a bit like, well, joy, doesn't it? The realm of God, the realm of his presence, of his reality, the realm of encountering his heart and seeing his face, the realm of living in his glory is a realm of pure, unadulterated joy. The dimension of God is the dimension of joy. And we see this further when John is shown the new heaven and the new earth, which will be our ultimate reality. Newsflash, heaven is not our end destination. The new heavens and the new earth is. And it's described to us as this. I heard a voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and will be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things have passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. What an amazing experience is described for us here. This description is of our ultimate destination as believers, and our ultimate destination is a realm where death, pain, mourning, crying are not permitted and do not exist because they are not the order of this realm. All things are new. All things are new, and the dynamics, the experience, and the culture is joy. Heaven is the realm of pure, untainted, inexpressible, exceeding joy. But here's the amazing thing. The amazing thing is that God's heart, his mission, his plan is for heaven on earth. God's heart is for the dimension of God to invade and transform the dimensions of earth, which means that his heart and his desire is for his supernatural joy to be found within the boundaries of human experience. How amazing is our God? And the question that we ask and the question that obviously we're beginning to explore across this year in different ways is how is such an experience of supernatural joy found? 
If heaven is the dimension of joy, and if God's heart is for heaven on earth, how do we experience such joy? Well, we experience such joy through the one who brought heaven to earth, through the one who causes the dimensions of God to become a reality within the hearts and lives of men and women, boys and girls. We experience such joy through Jesus. And this is where we switch a little bit in our tact and slip a little bit into a Bible study format, as it were, as we examine a couple of passages that outline the experience of joy that is found when Jesus manifests heaven on earth. Turn with me in your Bible to Luke chapter 2, and we're going to read together from verse 8. Luke chapter 2. Just when you thought we'd steered out of Christmas, we steer right back into it again. Luke chapter 2, verse 8. There were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. This is a significant moment to turn to in the scripture because it's the first time that joy is linked to the presence of Jesus upon the earth. There's loads of prophecies in the Old Testament that spoke about the coming of the Savior and that hinted and pointed and even called out the joy that he would bring. But this is the first time that joy is linked to the arrival of Jesus upon the earth. And as we examine these verses, we call out four important principles with regard to the experience of supernatural joy. Four principles that we see almost every time that heaven invades the earth through Jesus and he brings joy. And the first point is this, the presence of joy brings the absence of fear. The presence of joy brings the absence of fear. Verse 9, it tells us that an angel of the Lord appeared to the shepherds, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. These guys were up in the hills over Bethlehem, minding their own beeswax, when suddenly the whole hillside is lit up with the glory of God and an angel appears before them. And these grown men feel what all grown men of the great outdoors would feel. <clears throat> They're petrified. They're terrified, in fact, the scripture says. They are instantly gripped with fear. And the first thing that the angel does in interacting with the shepherds is to respond to and to deal with the emotion that they are feeling. The angel says to them, do not be afraid. 
I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. In this moment, the presiding emotion that the angel wants these shepherds to possess is not fear, it's joy. And it's interesting that while joy is the end result that the angels are aiming for, the starting point to realizing that is comfort. Do not be afraid, they said. They dealt with fear. They comforted the shepherds because the news that they were bringing was to release joy in that moment. And in order for the shepherds to get to that point of joy, the angel had to first of all deal with their initial emotion and the initial reaction, which proves the point again that we made last Sunday. Comfort is the gateway to joy. It strikes me in this moment that these shepherds up on this hillside had a choice. They could choose to follow their impulsive reaction. They could choose to follow the fear that rose up within them, and they would be forgiven for doing that. They could have got up and allowed flight mode to to take over and just legged it from the hillside and ran away from that which caused them their distress. Or they could accept the message of the angels that this was not a moment that they were to be scared of. They could take the consolation that came from the angelic being respond to the comfort that they brought to them in that moment and take the position of, even though they're unsure of what's happening, they're going to follow the counsel of the angels and believe that this moment is a safe moment. Very clearly, they chose to embrace the comforting words that the angels brought to them. And as they received divine comfort, they then were transitioned to a place of deep and profound joy. It is only when we embrace the comfort of God that we can fully transition into joy. Comfort is the starting point, but joy is the end product. And when we embrace the comforting of God, we create capacity within the soul for joy to come to life within us. And this is an important point that we need to grasp together. When we embrace comfort, we create capacity for joy. And it's important because within our Pentecostal charismatic world, we're all about instant stuff, aren't we? We're all about flicking the switch and everything has to go. And now we instantly need to feel one thing in particular. But in actual fact, we need to allow comfort to visit the soul and comfort to visit the emotions that we carry and the emotions that reside within us so that they can be transitioned to a place where we can fully and not constantly, but fully and intentionally step into, hold, carry and possess joy. If it's only ever about the flicking of a switch and the commanding and the binding and the loosing and the claiming and the blabbing and gabbing and all that stuff, then joy is ever only surface. It's just froth on the surface of a water that comes and goes very quickly. But if we allow ourselves to transition through comfort, then actually we take what is feeling inside of us, which is real and true, and we allow God to minister to that. It's a transition us to a place where we have capacity for joy. If we were to take this hillside situation and describe it in very stark terms, we were to call it in its most simplistic sense, then we would say that the message of the angels revealed to the shepherds that God wanted to release them from fear very quickly because the emotion that he was releasing to them in that moment and in fact to the entire world was joy. 
Fear had to go because joy was coming. And that's because in the presence of joy, there is the absence of fear. As we lay hold of joy, we have to release fear in order to find joy in all of its fullness. The second thing that we learn, the second point, is that the good news of Jesus is a source of joy. It is the news that the angel brings to the shepherds that is the source of their great joy. And the angel calls that out specifically. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. The news according to the angel that is going to cause great joy, this news that is going to stimulate and spark joy, this news is that today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you who is Christ the Lord. This is the news. This is the news that is good. This is the news that is for everyone and the news that is going to cause great joy. And the news is this. Salvation has arrived on planet earth in the form of Jesus Christ and he is for all people everywhere. And if you read down, you'll see it says there in verse 17. When the shepherds had seen him, that is Jesus, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they'd heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. I don't know about you, but I love the shepherds in the Christmas story. They could quite possibly be my favorite characters. Because in the shepherds, we actually see the first ever example of people hearing the gospel and then sharing the gospel. The shepherds are the first ever evangelists and the first example of those sharing faith. And when we look closely at the description of our budding evangelists, we find them praising and glorifying God. You can almost picture the scene in your mind's eye. These shepherds, based on what we've read in this passage, are filled with exceeding joy. The news of Jesus, that is the gospel and is our gospel. Our gospel is a gospel of joy. The good news of Jesus is a source of joy. And joy is found both in embracing the gospel, but joy is also found in sharing the gospel. There is joy in the service of the gospel. Why? Because the gospel is God's plan for heaven on earth. So when you begin to connect with the gospel and you begin to live the gospel, you begin to discover the supernatural joy that is found in becoming a conduit for heaven on earth. Now their joy, we're told, was in what they'd seen and in what they heard, verse 20 says. And verse 15 describes this to us. It says, when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they'd seen him, they spread the word. Here's another reason why I love the shepherds. I love the shepherds because they refused to operate with blind belief. And I think people like the shepherds and Thomas and others are put into Scripture to show us that we've not just to step into blind belief, but we have to explore and investigate and to discover for ourselves. And the shepherds, they went to check out the revelation that they'd received from heaven. And when they did, they found Jesus. And very specifically, the text says, when they had seen him, they spread the word. 
Notice it wasn't when they heard about him, they spread the word. But specifically, when they seen him. You almost get the impression of these shepherds just coming out of the stable, having met with Jesus, and they just burst with joy and start telling everybody that they come in contact with. Their joy, according to the passage, their joy revolved completely around seeing Jesus, meeting Jesus, encountering Jesus. They didn't burst with joy and begin to tell everyone once the angels had returned to heaven. No, it was once they had checked it out, investigated and seen him, that's when they burst with joy. Which brings us to the next point, which is a pretty obvious one, but there is joy in the presence of Jesus. The news that the angels brought to them wasn't a prophetic announcement that Jesus was coming to the earth. It was a news flash that Jesus had arrived on the earth. The Savior had been born. The presence of Jesus was revealed upon the earth, and with him, he brought to everybody joy. With the clues in their hand, this will be the sign you'll find them wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. With the clues in hand, they go and search for this baby in the manger. They seek Jesus out. They pursue his presence. In reality, they experience him. They meet him. They encounter him. And when they do, they burst with joy. God promises us that those who seek him find him. He promises to reveal his reality to those who come in pursuit of him. And with that revelation comes an experience of supernatural joy. The dimension of God is one of joy. So when we find him, we find joy. Because where he is, there is joy. The psalmist backs this up in Psalm 16. He says, you make known to me the path of life. You fill me with joy in your presence with eternal pleasures at your right hand. You fill me with joy in your presence. In the presence of Jesus, there is an infilling of his joy. There's a supernatural joy that is to be experienced and to be deposited and to be carried by the soul. What this teaches us then is that wherever and whenever he turns up, there is always an experience of joy to be had. Encounters with Jesus release joy in the soul. Now, our fourth and final point is an interesting one on joy, and one that we journey a little bit to get to. The angels announced to the shepherds, today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord, and this will be the sign. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. The angels deliver good news to the shepherds and they give them a sign for what they're looking for. And notice that when the angels return to heaven and the shepherds begin to discuss and process what has happened, and again, an amazing point that's put in there, supernatural revelation is given to them and the scripture says they have a chat about it and they process it and they talk it through. But notice who the shepherds attribute the message that they've just heard as being from. They say, let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Now, when we read it, we don't read that God appeared to the shepherds in the hills over Bethlehem, but what we read is that the angels did. But the shepherds don't view this as a message from the angels. They view it as a message from God himself. And we notice 
further that when we read of the shepherds bursting with joy and praising God, the reason for their joy, according to verse 20, is what they have both heard and seen. The joy in their soul wasn't just due to their encounter with Christ, but it was also the result of the Word of God. And Luke calls it out quite clearly, the Word of God brought joy to the shepherd's heart. A supernatural joy was released and experienced through God's words. Jeremiah talks about this and he says, when your words came, I ate them. They were my joy and my heart's delight, for I bear your name, Lord God Almighty. He's using prophetic language here in relation to the eating stuff. But what he tells us and what he talks about is the Word of God bringing joy and causing delight in his heart because that's what God's Word does. God's Word releases His supernatural joy, and His Word accomplishes that because His Word reveals His heart, His character, His nature, His reality. It reveals to us who He is, and here's who He is. He is joy. That's who God is. However, take a step further and look at verse 20 again. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they'd heard and seen which were just as they had been told. It wasn't just the message that brought joy. It was the result of the message that released joy. We said it wasn't when they'd heard the message from the angels that they began to tell everybody. It's once they'd encountered him. That's when joy burst forth because joy was experienced because the shepherds had received a revelation from God and that revelation then come to pass. It's when what they heard began to match what they saw. God fulfilled His Word. God outworked His plan and His purpose in accordance with His Word. And this announcement that became a fulfillment, this revelation that became a realization, that's what caused joy to come bursting out of them. And here's the amazing thing about God. God is the God of His Word. What He says is what He does because he is faithful. And the scripture says he watches over his word to perform it. And that suggests then that the word of God reveals to us the work of God. And in the case of the shepherds, it was both the word and the work of God that was the source of their joy. It wasn't just the word that they received. But it's then when they went into the presence of Jesus and saw that word come to pass, and that's when they began to encounter the work of God on planet earth, and all of that began to reveal joy in their innermost being. When we immerse ourselves in the word, when we bring our lives into alignment with his word, God gets to work within us, and the result of both the word of God and the work of God within us is to release and cultivate real joy. Jesus himself taught us this. He says, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you'll remain in my love just as I've kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. Jesus teaches here, if you want to live in the love of God, you've got to live in the word of God because his word reveals his heart. And what is his heart? His heart is heaven on earth. Jesus says, if you live in my word, if you align yourself with my word, then you begin to bring your heart in sync with mine. When you live in my word and you begin to align yourself with my word, I begin to shape your heart to be like mine, and I begin to manifest my heart within yours, and my heart is heaven on earth. 
So when you bring yourself into alignment with my word and you allow me to begin to shape your heart, then I begin to manifest heaven on earth in your life and through your life. And the outworking of that is joy because heaven is the realm of joy. So our fourth point is that the word and the work of God brings joy. Here's the points that we've outlined so far. The presence of Jesus brings the absence of fear. The good news of Jesus is the source of joy. There is joy in embracing and sharing the gospel. Joy is found in the presence of Jesus. And the work, or the word and the work of God brings joy. Now, these principles that we've just outlined are not only found here, but they're also found in other places in Scripture. In fact, we can pretty much identify these principles any time that Jesus manifests heaven on earth with the outcome of joy. So let me give you, just as we wrap up, one further example of this. If you have your Bible, would you turn to Matthew chapter 28? Reading from verse 1, it says, at this, After the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the woman, do not be afraid, for I know that you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead and is going on ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell the disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. They, there they will see me. Here is the moment that the two Marys encounter the empty tomb, and the angel announces to them that Jesus is risen. We focus on verse 8 for a moment. that says, so the woman hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Upon hearing the message, from the angel, the Marys find themselves with mixed emotions. We're told that they are filled with joy, but they're also afraid. This is an interesting description. To the women, afraid yet filled with joy, Jesus turns up. And he brings them into an encounter with himself. And the first thing that he says to these women is this, do not be afraid. These women have seen the empty tomb. These women have heard the message of the angels announcing Christ's resurrection. And as they do, they are caught in this mixture of emotions. They're feeling two emotions simultaneously. They feel fear and they feel joy. They can't quite process what's going on. They can't quite get their heads around what's happened and what's taking place. And clearly it's taking a bit of time for their hearts to catch up with their heads. I don't know if you've ever had those moments where your head says one thing and your heart says another, where you know in your head the way that you should behave and react in a situation, but your heart hasn't quite caught up with you yet. 
these Marys were in that exact situation. And Jesus appears to them. And out of all the things that he could have said to them, out of all the things that he could have opened up this encounter with, the first thing that he does is to address the mishmash of feelings within them. He removes one emotion and he leaves the other residing within them. The presiding emotion that he wants them to possess in that moment is not fear, it's joy. His desire is for them to be possessed with joy and not gripped with fear. And he turns up appearing alive to them and he banishes one emotion and he breathes upon the other. You see, the presence of joy brings the absence of fear. Fear has to go in this moment because Jesus wants to bring joy. Laying hold of joy in all of its fullness involves letting go of fear. And the only way that we can do that is to embrace fully the comfort that God brings to our souls. And I love the fact, and I know I'm repeating it, but I love the fact that time and time again, Jesus turns up, heaven manifests, God comes down within the confines of Scripture, and He speaks words of comfort that transition into joy and even into peace. What we don't see are moments where He turns up or moments that He releases His influence and commands, right, immediately stop feeling one thing and start feeling the next. There isn't a clear moment that I can think of in Scripture when God turns up and says to someone, right, snap out of it, grow up, pull up your socks. But rather what He does is He comforts. And He comforts to transition us towards that which resides in His heart. He is faithful. He is patient in journeying our hearts towards transformation. And that means that we need to be faithful and patient in making the journey with Him. All too often, we see the end result and we just want to get to that end result. But the only way that we can get there and live in that end result in a way that is healthy is if we allow Him to journey us, to transition us through comfort into joy. The only way that we can fully transition into the joy that resides in his heart is if we release that which resides in our heart and accept the comfort that he brings. The second thing that we notice from this moment in Matthew is the source of the woman's joy. The source of their joy is the news that Jesus is alive and risen from the dead. The good news of Jesus is a source of joy. And their joy is found not only in embracing the message, but it's also found in serving their message. Their task is to tell the disciples that Jesus is alive. They are to share the good news. They are the first evangelists of the resurrection. And I think it's amazing that we see the first evangelists of the news that Jesus has arrived on the earth and the first evangelists that Jesus is risen from the dead. And both of these groups of people experience true, amazing, incredible joy. These women are given the task of sharing news, and I don't know about you, but I quite love sharing news. And I've hung around some of you long enough to know that quite a few folk in Glasgow and quite like sharing news too. But in particular, I love sharing good news because there's just something incredible, isn't there, in telling someone some good news and just watching a smile cross their face and their countenance just light up. It is a source of incredible joy. 
And these two women found their fear turned to joy. And their joy was at its fullest, not only in embracing the gospel of Jesus' resurrection, but in sharing it, because there's joy in the service of the gospel. However, it wasn't just the news that brought them joy. It was Jesus himself. Verse 9 says, Jesus met them, greetings, he said, and they came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Here is a picture of the joy of a surprise reunion. It was the presence of the risen Jesus that brought them joy because joy is found in the presence of Jesus. But we can take it a step further again because it wasn't just his presence that brought them joy, it was connecting with him. He suddenly turned up in that moment, in their day-to-day, in their, in their moment that they were facing, and as he turned up before him, they reach out and connect with him. They clasp his feet and worship him. Joy is found in finding Jesus in the everyday. It's found in connecting with what he's doing, which leads us beautifully into the fourth point. Clearly, the message to the angel is said is this, he is not here, he is risen just as he said. Much like the shepherds, the joy of the woman was not just in the word that was spoken to them, but it was in the fulfillment of that word. Jesus had told them he would die and rise again. He died and now they witnessed for themselves that he had indeed risen again. He did what he said he would do. He fulfilled his word. And this brought joy to them because the word and the work of God brings joy. And there's further moments that we could explore, and we don't have time to go into. If you want to, you can look in your connect groups this week in Luke chapter 24, 36 to 53, and draw out the exact same four principles. But as we call them out, what we have to then explore is how does this fit in our lives? Well, Isaiah declares, or declares this truth, Isaiah 12, with joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. Salvation, and we're going to explore this passage in a few weeks. Salvation deposits joy in the soul because at the point of salvation, the Holy Spirit is given as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. And what is to come is our ultimate future reality. It's heaven. It's the dimension of pure, inexpressible joy. So when we put our faith and trust in Jesus and ask him to forgive us of our sin, heaven becomes our hope and our future and the Holy Spirit begins to manifest what is to come. He begins to manifest heaven within us. He begins to manifest heaven on earth in us and through us. He is the deposit that guarantees what is to be our reality. He brings joy to the soul as the fruit of his outworking because he is bringing heaven to earth through us. Listen to how Peter puts it. I don't have it to put up on the screen. It says, though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy for you receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your soul, First Peter 1, verse 8 and 9. At the point of salvation, the goal of our faith, which is heaven, is deposited within our souls. And we are filled with a glorious and inexpressible joy. How do we tap into that joy? Well, four steps that match the four principles. 
in order to lay hold of the fullness of joy, we need to release fear to let joy reside. We need to bring that which resides in our heart and release it so that we can receive that which resides in His heart. Secondly, we need to embrace His gospel. And we need to embrace His call to serve the gospel because there is joy in the service of the gospel. If we want to step fully into joy, then we need to step fully into our mission of sharing faith because there's joy in the service of the gospel. It's time for us to start telling our friends to start living our lives in such a way that it reflects the gospel and inviting people to church because that is in the moment, in the service of his gospel, that is when joy comes to life. Thirdly, we pursue intimacy with him because joy is found in his presence. It's rooted in his presence. In every encounter, there is an experience of joy to be had, and such joy is discovered in learning to find Jesus in the everyday moments and beginning to connect with him and what he's doing in the day-to-day and not just in the church times and the holy times. We need to start looking for him in the everyday. And when we see him, connect with him and do what he's doing, because that's when we'll find joy. But fourthly and finally, We need to immerse our lives in his word. His word reveals and teaches his heart and it's there that we find supernatural joy, but joy is also found in the work of God. Isaiah summarizes it brilliantly in Isaiah 61 and verse 10. He says, I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God, for he has clothed me in garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of righteousness as a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest. And as a bride adorns herself with jewels. Isaiah's soul rejoiced. And the word rejoice means to feel or express great joy. And the joy that he was feeling and expressing was due to the knowledge and the experience of what God had done. It was the work and the word of God that brought joy in his innermost being. And when he saw that and perceived that and connected with that, he chose to bring it to a place of rejoicing. He chose to celebrate the work of God. Church, we need to learn to celebrate again. Over the past years, pandemic and all that stuff, our joy has been snuffed a little bit. And I think we've lost the art of celebration it's time to find it again we're going to begin to step in over this next year to learn to celebrate the work and the word of God and to bring celebration as a healthy aspect of our DNA and a healthy part of the culture that we are creating through God a culture of joy joy that is not just felt but joy that is expressed joy that is lived in, joy that is carried into every moment of every day. It's time for us to step into joy. Let's bow our heads.